Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast episode number 40. The first is we fear being labeled as sexually inappropriate by women. That's a huge one. <laughs> sure. I'm like I like taking a deep breath now and it's it's interesting because Charles asked me before we started recording the podcast he he said, "Can you think like when when does a man touch you?" like outside of the scope of dance and like outside of the scope of someone in your family. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard for me to think. And then when when it would happen, it, I would perceive it usually negatively, mm -hmm. especially if it was like a stranger, I would perceive it sexually or as a, as a threat. Even if it was a hot stranger. Yeah. <laughs> Even, <laughs> he did, that was his follow-up question. Even if the person was hot, I said, yes. Even if the person was hot, and even if it was like a hot person who I wanted to, you know, touch my hand or something like that, or I wanted to talk to, that I would still feel threatened. Welcome to the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast, the podcast dedicated to inspiring dancers worldwide whose hearts have been touched by music and dance. The universal language of dance and music is spoken by many of us throughout the world. We want to motivate the dancer in you by sharing stories, insights, and ideas to enhance your journey. Join us now with your host, Charles Ogar. Hello, hello everyone. This is Charles with the Dance Your Heart On Fire podcast coming at you again this week with another podcast episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are excited to kind of talk about today's topic with my special guest who is making a return appearance. Emily Bartholomew back in Neo Kids HQ. Yes, we're here. Um, she's spending the time for the week here in Austin to kind of Ketchup. It's been a while since we missed each other, um, talk to each other. I know, totally. Like, like for uh, that wasn't a Facebook message <laughs> yeah, chat. Face to face. And then we had your birthday party here, but you couldn't make it. So I was the only one who didn't come to my, <laughs> my birthday party, I think. But we did the video for you. That was awesome. And you guys threw down in my honor yes, so well. I was we so did. sad I couldn't make it. I'm going to post the video of us singing to Emily oh and happy birthday. <laughs> in the show notes so you guys can check that out doesn't really have anything to do well it was dance related but i mean we're people and emily had a birthday and i threw a house party for her and she couldn't able to make it so i did this video that doesn't really have a lot to do with today's topic but i think it's good to kind of talk about this kind of stuff so people know that we have lives and totally like that, we're you know? humans with birthdays <laughs> like any other non-kizomba dancing person <laughs> definitely so as you guys see for the topic of today's podcast, this has been something that's been on my mind for a while now. The title of today's podcast is How Dance Challenges Our Ideas of Male 
platonic touch in our society. And there's this one particular article that I read that really kind of hit home to me. And the article talked about like the, I guess, idea of platonic touch in men and men touching other men and how that's taboo. And like, if you're a man and you're touching a woman, that house automatically considered sexual and all these kind of stuff, you know? And I feel on this podcast, we've been kind of, I don't know if the word is like radicalizing or like talking about <laughs> things that are like not really, you kind of question things sometimes, you know, like, and we had the podcast about the five love languages, you know, mm-hmm. and that is something that you don't really hear a lot of guys talking about, you know, I, don't, I never talked with another guy friend about love languages, except for Enrique, <laughs> Enrique is awesome, but um, I'm going to talk about Enrique in a second, but <laughs> yeah, Enrique, we're coming for you. But just kind of challenging like this whole emotional state of what it means to be a man and what it means to be masculine, you know. And for me, with my love language being physical touch, I didn't feel I didn't find that out until I was in my 30s. I'm 32 now. And that just shed so much clarity on why I felt so awkward as a child and why I felt like. I didn't fit in and then when I felt lonely and going through depression and why I wanted somebody to love me and all this kind of stuff, it kind of put some perspective into that, you know? And so this article kind of like really, really plays a lot into that idea. And I'll include a link of that blog in the show notes, but that's going to be the inspiration for today's podcast. We're going to kind of like cover some of the really key points in that particular article. And then I'm also going to share some insights from our lives, Emily and I, to kind of like either challenge that idea or kind of support that idea. Yeah? Absolutely. And the, uh, the title of this article is How a Lack of Touch is Destroying Men, and it's by an author named Mark Green. And um, it came out not too long ago. Correct. And before we, we dive in and, and sink our teeth into the article, Emily has a very interesting upbringing that I'd like for you to share, if, if that's cool, with you and your relationship with your dad. Sure. So, you know, since th- this topic addresses the idea of physical touch for men and how that's accepted or not accepted, uh, we were talking about, you know, how the our love languages and my top love languages is physical touch is informed by our upbringing. And so I was really blessed to live in a family that was really physically affectionate. And that was true of my dad as well. And I, I think that maybe more so than a lot of other dads, you know, like he would, you know, would hug us and put his arm around us and like, like torture me with tickling my feet and stuff like that. And so even as an adult, um, I used to work as an attorney for kids in foster care and had a lot of really sad stories and tough days at work and tough days in the courtroom. And so up until, you know, I was in my late 20s, I could go to my parents' house and sit on my dad's lap and just cry and feel and feel that comfort and um, that you know, that, that like loving affection assuaged some of my pain. And I, I really appreciated him for that. But I noticed that notwithstanding the fact that when my brothers were kids, you know, the fact my, my dad was really physically affectionate with all of us. My, my brothers couldn't present day, for example, jump onto my dad's mm-hmm. lap and start crying or they wouldn't. 
And what that means is that even in a family where it wasn't taboo, where it was okay and it was encouraged and it was welcome to express our affection for each other in this way, that it's gendered. And my brothers can't do some of the things that I can do. And another example is the way my brothers are towards my mom versus my dad. So they would be quick to like put their arms around my mom, but they wouldn't necessarily do that with my dad. And then also, um, when you, when my brothers see me, like of course they'll give me this huge hug. And um, my brothers, when they see each other, like they'll hug, but you can tell like they're really excited to see each other. Mm -hmm. But what they do is they wrestle. Yeah. And so it's like this roughhousing, but they have this smile on their face, not like they're trying to murder each other, but that they're like happy to see each other. And so it's it's interesting how it's even even within the context of what I would consider to be a particularly physical affectionate family, where it was okay to show affection and okay to show emotions as well, because my dad was, you know, he, he cried in front of us for like sentimental type reasons. And I think that was a great expression of it being okay and for a man to, it doesn't make you less of a man to cry, um, that still there's a difference between what we did and didn't do. And what that looked like is that my brothers can't do everything that I can do mm -hmm. because they're men. Yeah, and me growing up, like I didn't get that at all. I made the realization as an adult that one of the reasons I felt so out of place is because I wasn't getting my love tanks filled. And my dad was a very strict uh, Nigerian parent, so you didn't get a lot of like comforting physical touch, but I would get spankings and stuff like that, you know? And then you didn't get a lot of physical, uh, verbal praise either, but you did get a lot of like verbal criticism. And that was, was sometimes openly in front of like family members, in front of teachers, in front of friends, in front of anybody. It could, it could come at any time, you know? So it was really interesting. But um, let's go ahead and sink our teeth into the article here that kind of touched me. I'm also going to include a link to the Facebook post that I wrote or I'll include the text that I wrote. It was just kind of a inspirational kind of poetic rambling, if you will. But it seemed to get a, like, a lot of love on Facebook. So I'll share that with you guys as well so you can, you can check it out. And the, the image from the article also <laughs> looks exactly like Charles. So if you believe in like the universe dropping things on your lap, um, I think I think you could make a strong case that yeah, it's so meant to cross your path. It's really crazy because like I'm going to give a shout out to Kelsha. Kelsha is a Kizoma dancer in L.A. who I met for New Year's. And I saw again at the Vegas Kizoma Festival, and we had a really nice conversation about how dance challenges certain social paradigms and the power of touch and things like that. And then um, Laura Riva, who's also been a, go a guest on this podcast several times, she has a friend who's an anthropologist who studies gender roles. And so I'm going to have her on the podcast. So this topic of gender roles and, and like the difference of the paradynamics has been kind of a hot topic recently in the dance world and also outside of the dance world as like our gender roles start to shift. But she also, in one of our podcast little documents, shared the same blog. So it came out to me two, two different times from two people who don't really know about each other. One of them was on the West Coast, the other one was on the East Coast in Canada. And then I, I opened up the article and the guy is like, has his head down and looks like me. And it's like, <laughs> wow. I, was, I think I'm gonna use that image for the image of the podcast title. You guys idea. are going to see that there. But that's that's why I chose that image. But And then on top of that, um, not to get too personal, but I guess I'm going through some like an emotional 
kind of breakthrough renaissance, if you will. Emily and I have kind of come up with that. But it's just <laughs> kind of like being open to like feeling certain things that are can be good, can be bad and things like that. And so I've been processing a lot of that through just like emotional intelligence and how important EQ is in dance. And so I speak about the importance of it, but I'm also going through growing pains, if you will. But <laughs> enough rambling. Um, I, as, as I think it's a good, a good um, precursor to what we're about to do and see how, how much it means to us because there's a, a lot of different things that, playing, that play into this and like the timing, ah, the freaking universe just moves in, in really interesting ways. So it really is coming from a genuine place of this kind of study and, and questioning and searching, if you will. Absolutely. And I think it ties in in the sense of, um, you know, what, how do we as a society look at men when it comes to expressions of emotions Mm -hmm. and having emotional needs that need to be met? So the author of this article, How Lack Lack of Touch is Destroying Men, his name is Mark Green, he's really making the case for platonic touch and men's lives. And his beginning premise was that when he was reflecting on it, he was like thinking about the idea of a man touching him. Mm -hmm. And he immediately thought like, oh, well, I don't know if a man could do that without being creepy. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of led him to the conclusion that there's this collective idea that there's this collective suspicion regarding men's touch being either creepy or sexual and Mm -hmm. that's a belief held by both women and men and so it's what he goes on to say is that men are put in a position to prove that they can be trusted when it comes to physical touch and how they do that is normally they make the decision not to touch. Mm-hmm. And that the result is a sense of physical isolation mm-hmm. because of the the way that, that touch by men, either between men or men and women, or men and kids, is stigmatized. There is a reluctance to do so. Yeah. Um, so... This immediately made me think of Kizomba because I know a lot of guys like we we assume that like any any physical touch that a man has with a woman has to be sexual. But my experience teaching Kizomba is that sometimes guys are even afraid to make contact with the woman. You know, you would think like, oh, Kizomba, I can have a woman in close hold and I can feel her full body, like chest to chest with mine, I'm in. I, I'll, do, I'll do that all day. But you don't see a stampede of guys running to learn Kizomba. And I guess there's not even a, really a lot of creepers in Kizomba. There's a few guys out there, but like not a lot of guys, you know. Um, so that kind of challenges that idea that like all physical touch has to be sexual coming from a man. And it can be platonic. Um, and then just like thinking about with society, like if I were to touch another man and this has also been something that's interesting because i've been posting more videos of me being led by other men um i have the video of me dancing with amadou and elise from france i'll put that in the show notes i have a video of me being led by aaron in the promo video i just released that today and there's another video of me leading audi 
and, and then I, you and Philip. There's one. And me and Philip from from the Kizomba invasion last year. So, and I know like Kizomba and Simba, particularly, I think has a history of men dancing with each other. I'm not sure if any other partner dance has that. I wouldn't be surprised if it does. But this whole notion, and I think. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it is in America versus other countries around the world. Um, but men touching other men, there's like only certain instances that you can do that. And if a guy does come up to you and like starts rubbing your shoulders or something like that, you're going to be like, it, it, it immediately goes to like a, a kind of a homophobic state without even thinking about it. Like it's just like a natural knee jerk reaction, which makes you challenge all of the, I guess, stories and ideas that you've seen being portrayed to you to the through the media and how that really affects your perception on on the world you know mm -hmm. absolutely and so i think um you know if we agree with the author and we do the two of us <laughs> at least <laughs> if you agree with the author that you know there there is a need for men to have more opportunities for expressions of platonic touch then dance can provide that opportunity mm -hmm. and um you know as as a woman i know that how i feel when a guy at a kizomba party you know like if a guy at a kizomba party were to come up and grab my hand as a way of asking me to dance i would be comfortable with that mm -hmm. but if i was at a club and a random guy came up and like grabbed my hand and wanted to dance with me, I would be totally mm -hmm. on guard. On guard, yeah. And I would interpret his touch as sexual, not mm -hmm. like, I like this song, mm -hmm. I want to dance with you kind of thing. And so like the, the social norms and the social rules around dance that make it okay um, and that make it platonic mm -hmm. um, to, to dance with someone of the opposite sex or the same sex, can provide an outlet for that, which undermines this general societal taboo mm -hmm. against platonic male touch. For sure. So, like, even from a young age, like, you question, I mean, touching on your aspect before, of touch isolation is talked about in the, in the blog. Like, my dad didn't touch me, like, in, a, like, a loving way. I mean, there, I can probably count on one hand the times I've hugged my dad. Oh my goodness. Um, but I think it was just the way he was brought up. I'm not even, I mean, and I don't blame him for it. Like, I wonder how many times his dad hugged him. Yeah, probably you know? fewer. So, and then, like, sometimes, like, with, even with my mom, like, if I give my mom a hug, sometimes it's like one of those, like, pat hugs, you know? But I can have a hug from, like, one of, from Emily here or in front of my friends in the Kizoma scene. And it's like one of those soul-touching hugs, <laughs> I'm going to absorb you into my spirit kind of thing, you know? And like I said, I, I'm, I'm not trying to, to throw my parents under the bus here. It makes me even wonder, like, what are their love languages and what were their, are their love tanks even full, you know? Like, did their parents even figure out what their love tanks are? So I don't want to make it seem like I'm throwing my parents under the bus at all, in the least. Um, but it just really questions, like, okay, this is the way I was brought up. How were they brought up, you know? and how society kind of played an impact on that. So you're isolated from this touch, but then now you become a, a man or an adolescent, and now you're looking for opportunities to kind of prove your manhood, you know? And part of that is kind of like interaction with women, you know? But, I mean, how often, like Emily was saying, if a guy came up and, like, even touched you in any way at a club, 
you would immediately like get ready to like call the police. You have your mace or your pepper spray or something like that. Or if you took a self-defense class, like <laughs> you're ready, you know. But at a kizomba social or a dance event like a salsa social or a bachata social or a tango social or a swing, I'm pretty sure if a guy came up and touched somebody, it would be different. So like, I don't even want to like just focus it just on kizomba, but there is a lot more physical touch in kizomba, I feel, than other partner dances. Um, it, it definitely challenges this issue of touch, not just between um, men, but also between women. And so this sexualization of the touch is really something that I struggle with because if I had a woman touch me in a public place, I'm like, oh, she's she's attracted to me. Like she mm-hmm. wants me like like my mind almost automatically goes there. And then you have to kind of like question that thought and it's like, OK, what's going on here? Does she need to be hugged? And now that I know what people's love languages are, like, oh, she's a physical touch person. Let me give her that aspect. Or like if I'm dancing with a girl, I can tell if she feels more comfortable in closed position versus open position. I'll dance the song more in in closed position to kind of give her that that happiness or it's like, hey, let me help you fill up your, your love tank kind of thing, you know? And this could be with a complete stranger, you know? Mm-hmm. Let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsors. Have you been looking to level up your Kizomba, but you don't have the local instructors to take you there? Are you looking for something concrete to practice with your Kizomba partner? Or are you looking for Kizomba lessons that you can take on your schedule and the comfort of your home? If you answered yes to any of these questions, look no further. LearnToKids.com is what you need. Progressive, step-by-step lessons that you can take at your pace in the comfort of your home or anywhere with a solid internet connection on your PC, Mac, or any smartphone. New videos are added every month. You can try this awesome resource out 30 days free at LearnToKids.com slash podcast. After the 30 days free, it's only a low $15 per month. But again, the special offer for the Dance Your Heart On Fire listeners, 30 days free at LearnToKids.com slash podcast. You won't find this offer anywhere else. LearnToKids.com slash podcast. And now back to our show. I guess widening the scope back to society again, like how many times do we see where you question a father touching his daughter? Like, and, and what age does it become acceptable versus not acceptable anymore, you know? Exactly. And it's... Um, or a father and his son. Totally. And it's, it's, it's really sad, too, because um, that, was, that was one of the, the topics that was addressed in the article, is that um, men are afraid of touching children in particular to be perceived as... Um, a threat yeah exactly as as sexual predators and that basically one of the few examples in our society where we see that it's accepted for men to be physically affectionate um in in the platonic way without it being perceived as sexual uh, with another male is between father and son Mm -hmm. but at a certain point that changes you know like there was a certain point where my like where my my brother's didn't hug my dad as much or when he stopped kissing them goodnight mm-hmm. and he st- they stopped sitting on his lap. <clears throat> so it definitely makes you question all of those things to see like what is normal, what, what makes you feel good, but it's not really accepted in society, you know? Um, we're posing these questions here, not to say that we have the answers, but it's interesting to see this paradigm in society and then to see how in the in the scope of the dancing it seems to be, be being broken 
to to a degree. Exactly, and I think it's it, it dance has has the ability to play a, a really important role because you know some of the negative effects of these physical isolation can be you know boys trying to prove that they're men from a very young age by being physically aggressive with mm -hmm. each other and that's the only kind of contact that they have or that the only way that they're going to get some kind of physical contact is in the sexual context mm -hmm. um with with women or um you know and i think I, i think we need to talk about the fact that like of course um there are men who are physically who are sexually attracted to other men mm -hmm. um and that how how we see this play out in terms of the sexualization mm -hmm. of contact is this presumption that that contact between men is sexual and then because of prejudice and homophobic ideas that that's immediately construed as as negative mm -hmm. um but then you know the idea that someone can post videos of them dancing with other men and that it, in a certain context it's it's accepted and you know it's like these ideas about physical touch i think are it's important to point out that it's very culturally relative mm -hmm. and i i um i had an opportunity to do an internship in in europe and we were visiting immigrants who were detained and they were from the eastern horn of africa and one thing that i noticed is that it was i believe it was somali men would walk around the detention center holding hands mm -hmm. and these weren't men these were men who were who were friends and that was an exceptional that was a, an acceptable showing of platonic physical affection between mm -hmm. men and that that's not something we see here in the us very rarely i mean Like I said, not to judge, but if I was walking down the street and I saw two men holding hands, I'll say they are automatically in a romantic relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. But that's not always the case, you know? Like, why does it have to be a romantic sexual thing right off the bat? Mm -hmm. And it just makes you question what, you, what we see in movies, what we read in books, um, what we see on, on the television and, and in magazines sometimes. You know, we're, we're kind of fed this, this idealist, idealistic views of what things should be, you know, but that doesn't always fit, you know. Um, in my post that I wrote yesterday about the kind of emotional journey that I'm going through and what inspired me through reading this blog last night was um, my friend TV. He's a father of two daughters in, in Dallas. Awesome guy. Um, he teaches Kizomba out there in Dallas with Kids Passion. Um, I'll give him a shout out and a link in the show notes. I know he'll appreciate that. <laughs> um, but the way, the, way this, the way that he raises his daughters is pretty freaking phenomenal. But he also shared a link from this documentary that I haven't had a chance to watch it, but I'll definitely watch it. It's called The Mask You Live In. And it basically starts off, it's like a trailer into this particular film And it just shows different guys with like some of the different narratives that you hear being sent to like young boys and men. Be a man, grow some balls, don't show any message. You gotta be cool, but still kind of like a douche. Um, grow, grow a pair of balls. Don't be a pussy. Like <laughs> you said, the balls thing twice. Oh well, well I mean we have two balls. <laughs> But it was interesting to hear all of those things, you know, because in my post, I, I, I asked the question, what does it mean to be a man? You know, 
even like taking a look at my profession, I'm a, I'm a dance instructor, you know. Um, not to say that dance isn't masculine, but you don't see a lot of guys showing up with that. But even the, the, the concept of dance that we have here in America versus other countries in the world is different, you know. Um, and certain things are considered feminine and their, and their gender and certain things are considered more masculine, you know. But it's we have women that are starting to lead more and more. And when women lead, sometimes people question, oh, they must be bi-curious bi or, or lesbian, you know, just because they want to lead. Or if a guy lets another guy lead him, he must be... He must be, I guess, feminine or too feminine, you know? But then, like... Can you talk about the, your dance instructors in the hip hop class? Like that's oh yeah, <laughs> putting things in a, to, to throw a, throw a twist. That in is everything. that is such a twist. So I've been doing um, I've been doing these like chair and stiletto and hip hop classes. I, I say it's like it's like poor man's Giannis. Like <laughs> if you if you watch the the Giannis videos, he's an amazing dancer from France. If you don't know who he is, I'll put a link of him in the show notes. Giannis Marshall, right? Yeah, 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 from Paris. He he dances in heels and he does amazing Beyonce choreography. And so um, at the studio where I dance, every single class I've been to, one hundred percent of the people there are women. Mm -hmm. And all the instructor, the, the men who are instructors, um, there are um, there are gay men who are instructors, and there's a, a transgender woman who is an instructor. So it's like the, it's just the dynamics are interesting that it, it's it's dance. So there's a lot of women in the classes, but the those who are in the position of teaching at least aren't. How and I, I don't know their their gender or mm -hmm. sexual orientation identities. I'm presuming, but at least the perception of them is that they're not following that heteronormative mm -hmm. narrative. Um, you know that like for whatever reason, teaching dance is like isn't as common for, for sure. straight men according to American society. It's mm -hmm. strange. Yeah, it definitely puts things into perspective, and it's like well. Do I get to define what it means to be a man to me? That's an interesting question versus just letting society or what's considered normal define what I am or what I feel is masculine or when I feel empowered, you know, or impactful or inspirational. Exactly. And and why is it? I mean, dance is a huge area of artistic expression. Mm hmm. How can we say dances for girls? Mm -hmm. Even more compellingly, how can we say that the expression of humo of emotions is a part of the human experience that mm. is only available to one gender? Yeah. Like men don't get to opt into that. And why are we telling boys to be men? Like you don't shout at a girl, be a woman, <laughs> be a woman when she's like six or seven. Uh -huh. You know, it's like we're not requiring the, them to grow up. And, th and this idea that that masculinity is associated with the suppression of expression, of course that's an unhealthy notion. Mm -hmm. Of course that's limiting. It is very limiting. And I guess to kind of bring that back to my emotional renaissance kind of thing, um, I feel that my heart has been opening a little bit more and 
that was brought on through some emotional pain. So like the pain brought along a change that is also a positive change. And through that positive change, I feel more artistic and expressive on the dance floor. But I also find myself being moved a lot more emotionally off the dance floor. And if you guys remember the podcast with the the thinker and the feelers, like you guys know I'm a thinker. Like before I started dancing, I was in IT, you know? We didn't talk about emotions in the household growing up, you know? So like this is kind of new to me. And I realized the importance of just, I mean, we talked about IQ, but just talking about EQ. And I know Gary Vaynerchuk, who's an awesome entrepreneur, talks about this a lot as well. Um, Just self-awareness and I bought the Emotional Intelligence book not too long ago. Um, I've been doing the Myers-Briggs personality test. Um, there's another one called the Enneagram test for personalities and stuff like that. So I'm really just doing a lot of, of soul searching recently. And I'm going to be open and, and share my insights and falls and stuff like that. I think it's important to kind of share that and I guess be vulnerable. And I'm not even sure exactly what that means still, but I guess I'm doing it somehow and unintentionally. But um, one quote before we kind of move on or one question that the blog proposed, like looking at my childhood or even the possibility of me having my own kids. How do you we teach our sons to understand how touch works, you know, because it's such an integral part of just the human experience. But it seems to be only available to certain genders more openly without being negatively judged for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah. In the blog, there were these five kind of takeaways that he had listed there that kind of stood out to Emily and I that we wanted to share with you guys. And we talk about the judgment. And I guess the kind of segues perfectly into because we talked about it being negatively judged. And... We kind of have American men list the reasons why we aren't comfortable with touch. And I'll have Emily read at least the first couple of ones. Okay. Um, The first is we fear being labeled as sexually inappropriate by women. That's a huge one. (laughs) Sure. I'm like, I like taking a deep breath now. And it's, it's interesting because Charles asked me before we started recording the podcast, he, he said, can you think like when when does a man touch you like outside of the scope of dance and like outside of the scope of someone in your family Mm -hmm. and it was really hard for me to think and then when when it would happen i would perceive it usually negatively Mm -hmm. especially if it was like a stranger i would perceive it sexually or as a as a threat even if it was a hot stranger yeah. <laughs> even, he said that was his follow-up question. Even if the person was hot, I said, yes, even if the person was hot and even if it was like a hot person who I wanted to you know, touch my hand or something like that or I wanted to talk to, that I would still feel threatened. And then also I would feel socially compelled to sort of reject it mm-hmm. even if it was someone I theoretically would want to be, mm-hmm. you know, connected to. Yeah. And from a male's perspective, it's definitely something that you think of, like you don't want to be the creeper. You don't want to unintentionally give the woman the wrong idea to where she doesn't feel safe anymore, you know? And especially with like all the consent issues that we have going on now, like consent is becoming a bigger and bigger uh, conversation that's going on 
inside and outside of, of the dance world. So sexually inappropriate. Yeah, that's definitely a fear. And it puts women on the defensive. Mm-hmm. And then women have the responsibility to be the gatekeepers. Um, and it's it, I, I don't think it's fair to either side. Yeah. I don't even know how we will begin to like even deconstruct that. But I guess having this podcast and talking about it is a step of building awareness to so we can kind of question these things. Yeah. Uh, the second fear that we have here is that we live in a virulently homophobic culture. So all contact between men is sus- a suspect. So like I said, if I saw two guys walking down the street, like I was like, oh, well, they must be in a relationship. No judgment, but I automatically assume they're in... Um, the touch is sexual. Yeah, the touch is sexual or romantic or something like that. You know, if a guy came up to me and started rubbing my shoulders and was a stranger, like I would have a knee jerk reaction to be like, "Hey, player, like I don't, I don't play for that team." You know. But um, if it was Enrique or TV, <laughs> but that'd be weird because I mean, so now going back to Enrique, we'll bring it up now. <laughs> yeah. So I brought up Enrique several times on 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 the podcast just because this guy is, is such a freaking amazing guy, and. He took his first Kizomba workshop from me in July. It was the 4th of July weekender. And at the social, and I've, I've told this story before, I'll tell it again. Um, he came up to me and it's like, I didn't realize the power of the, the intimacy that, that can be achieved with a complete stranger. And I was like, who the hell is this guy coming up to me talking about intimacy, you know? But he was genuine with it. I mean, he wasn't like trying to like hit on me or anything like that. Um, but like over the course, how long has it been? Six months? This guy has been traveling <laughs> everywhere to go do Kizomba. He has, so he lives in Charleston, South, South Carolina. There's no Kizomba there. So this guy travels at least like twice a month to go and take my workshops or other festivals and things like that. He's like at a threat level orange of uh-huh. like Kizomba <laughs> addiction. And I see, like, he lives in Charleston, but I, I see him more than I see a lot of people in Texas. <laughs> and I, I think it's probably like me when I used to, when I lived in um, in the Valley and I was mm-hmm. driving up here all the time. People probably, like, assume he lives in Dallas. Mm-hmm. So Enrique has been really open to, like, the emotional aspect of the power of dance. And he's also aware of the love languages. So we had a social this uh, last weekend in Dallas. Um, Audie was teaching there. He was on my podcast um, last week. And he was getting some compliments on his dancing. He knows that my top love language or one of my top love languages is words of affirmation. So he w- brings the girl over that's giving him compliments of his dancing. And he says, I got all my dancing from skills from Charles. So she can hear the compliments. And she's like, here. And Rick is like, here's some words for your love tank, brother. And I'm like, what other male would actually seek out to fill up another man's love tank, you know? And it was awesome, you know, but like the rarity of it kind of struck me. And that's why I'm bringing it up now. So thank you, Enrique, um, for being such an awesome guy. Um, this weekend, I mean, if I'm going to be vulnerable and open, I also found out that um, some friends of mine, including Enrique, um, were praying for me because they kind of know kind of that some of the things that I'm going through personally um, recently. And that also struck me because I don't think a man has ever told me that he prayed for me. And I think that takes a, another level of of care or compassion. 
there's a lot going on in my mind right now <laughs> and, and my heart. So it's, it's, it's interesting, but um, I want to be open. I want to kind of document this journey of emotional intelligence with you guys through the podcast and realize like dance is, is so powerful and it's, it's amazing to see the people that you attract into your life and the people that kind of get the same benefit from you like you do. Um, Enrique and I kind of have a lot of things in common and I'm going to see him again <laughs> next weekend in Tampa. <laughs> Three weekends <laughs> where I'm in a be row. Yeah, so he was in Vegas. He was in Dallas this last weekend. And then I'm going to be teaching in Tampa next weekend. He's going to be there as well. So That's wild. We'll, we'll get a chance to, to catch up a little bit. But Enrique, you're awesome, brother. Um, I have love for you as well. So <laughs> I'm giving you another shout out. And there was another. I hope you'll be willing to put this in the show notes. But there's a photo of Charles like jumping like a jump up hug mm -hmm. like bear hug wrapping his legs i think it's on monica's profile <laughs> yeah i'll find it and share it yeah and i was like yeah that was so happy to see um the so third fear the third fear is we don't want to risk any hint of being sexual towards children and i think that's huge because how many cases do we hear of like just sexual pedophiles you know like if you i think you can go online and like look up the number of sexual predators that you have in your neighborhood and <laughs> such an unfortunate thing to put on the podcast but I, yeah it's true it's but it's uh, true Megan's you know style, yeah. but at the same time i mean why do we have so many pedophiles i mean these are men more often than they are women but if they're if they're touch isolated and they don't know how to handle touch and that goes back to the question that we had before we look at the upbringing how do we teach our sons to how touch works you know um, I think we do have a lot of conflicted males that end up sexually awkward and not able to function correctly because they never taught how to like function or maybe they didn't get a lot of touch when they were growing up. And also it's, it's really prevalent um, for uh, people who are victims of sexual abuse to re-perpetrate. Mm. Um, and it's, it, it, is, it is sad though that, that because like the the problematic nature of the abuse is one aspect but the other thing that's problematic is the fact that there aren't avenues for appropriate safe mm -hmm. expressions of platonic platonic affection between men and children yeah. i wonder like if you even were to like try to use that to attract men into dance like do are they even aware of their lack of touch I wasn't aware of it until I found out what my love languages were. It's it's interesting though, because and, and this like kind of brings in the the fourth fear of judgment that the author identifies, which is we don't want to risk our status as macho or authoritative by being physically gentle. Mm -hmm. So I think even the expression of desiring physical touch mm -hmm. or being vulnerable enough to admit that it's something that's lacking from your life mm -hmm. is something that is stigmatized and a man would be reluctant to do that. Mm -hmm. It would somehow be, it wouldn't be masculine yeah. to desire it. Exactly. It's crazy. It's really crazy when we think about the paradigms and then being honest with yourself and what really makes you feel whole and loved is touch. And then to kind of see that on the flip side of society to where, well, you can only touch in these particular scenarios, you know. Mm -hmm. um, number five, the, the fifth fear here, we don't ever want to deal with the rejection of when we do reach out. That's a huge thing um, as well, because there's only certain people that you would reach out to 
to tell them that, hey, like I'm feeling lonely or I feel down. I need a hug or something like mm-hmm. that. And it would be like your mom or your girlfriend, you know, mm-hmm. maybe a sister, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is a fear because it's like you're when you do reach out, you are admitting to like, I guess, not being as masculine anymore because I guess it depends on what you define as mas- masculine, you know. But I've reached out to my girlfriends in relate in romantic relationships a lot more than I have um, to my parents or my sisters or my family. And from an emotional aspect, you know, I feel like they're a lot closer to me in that regard. And that's always interesting, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, as a woman, there isn't the same taboo with me initiating <clears throat> platonic physical contact. Um, either between me and another woman, my voice is like mm-hmm. really scratchy and congested. I'm hoping it just comes off as like like sexy low <laughs> baritone, but it sound, might sound a lot more like coming to you live from urgent care <laughs> kind of thing. <coughs> um, but yeah, I think that it's I'm I'm much more inclined, probably I would imagine, than a man would be to initiate physical contact because it, it's socially more acceptable and less stigmatized for me mm-hmm. to do so. And I, I fear rejection less because I have all these examples of when it was positively reinforced mm-hmm. um, for me to, to seek it out or to initiate it. Definitely. So those are the, the five fears that we have. And to conclude the podcast, I can see... Just looking back at my dance journey again to see, like, when I say dance has kind of shown me so much. And it's shown me so much about myself. So, like, I really push the importance of dancing because I feel like it's like a a fast track, a catalyst to self-discovery. And that self-discovery leads to knowing who you are. And like I've said before, you can't know what you don't love. So if you don't know yourself, you can't love yourself. So... Dance shows you different ways that you like to show up in society with yourself when you learn, when you get frustrated, when you're happy, dealing with other people. Like dance is, has, is still my social outlet. You know, I don't really have a lot of friends outside of dance. Like I dance all the time. All my friends are dancers. All my girlfriends I've met through the dance scene. So it's my, my life is and my heart is really, I guess, connected into the dancing a lot kind of puts things in perspective like where do I want to be in 10 years I don't know but um it's it's just something that's been on my mind and it's amazing the the environment that the dance creates because it's given me the opportunity to kind of feel safe and have that platonic touch with other men because I let other men lead me but like even in the dancing I feel like it's more common to like hug a guy you know if you haven't yeah. seen him in a while and then also with women, like I'm in contact with a lot of women, but it's not always sexual, you know, though I, I will admit to like if a woman like comes on to you and it starts touching you, it does like make you feel like is she coming on to me or is it just platonic? Like it's, it's hard to navigate where the platonic touch becomes sexual and that goes into the whole consent issue. And that's a whole nother podcast that we're going to have in the future. Yeah, and I think, um, like, sort of the conclusion for me is that, you know, we should we should reach out and find ways and promote ways for everyone, but I think in particular men, because of the stigma to engage in 
platonic, safe, physical touch. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't feel as isolated because as humans we are social creatures and we crave that connectedness. Mm-hmm. But dance is dance is one. I think we can conclude dance and Enrique <laughs> <laughs> are two ways to to overcome this this scarcity of or the stigma against physical touch. Definitely. So if you are a male and you're listening to this and you resonate with something, feel free to reach out to me directly. Um, I hope it kind of serves some kind of purpose to kind of open your mind to different ways that we love and touch and how we interact with each other in in our society on and off the dance floor. Um, I want to start a conversation. So this is kind of a starting sparking that conversation. So if you guys feel inclined to to reach out, please do so. If you're a female, reach out. If you have some insights, we'll, we'll love to hear from you. And we'll see you guys next week. Absolutely. Bye, guys. Thank you for checking out the Dance Your Heart on Fire podcast today. Be sure to check out neokizomba.com for links to everything that we chatted about today, as well as some awesome free resources to enhance your Kizomba journey. Mm -hmm.